2: WAB in Atlanta. I'm Lois Wrightsis, and this is City Lights. Thank you for listening as together we near the end of another week, Sheltering in Place. Many of us are reading more now that we're home. Today, we'll hear how one Atlanta indie bookstore is serving readers in our area with a personal touch. The hit Showtime series Billions is back with season five. Actor and comedian Dan Soder tells us about his role as Mephie and working with that stellar cast. In a moment, we'll go inside the quarantine kitchen of Chef Alton Brown and Elizabeth Ingram. First, this week, we're asking for your financial support to help keep WABE going. We'll get right back to City Lights, so do stay with me here. And please help if you can at WABE.org slash Donate. Joining me now is WABE's operations manager, Kevin Rinker.
3: Thanks, Lois. That's wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. Your donation right now is vital because we get 84% of our funding from the Atlanta community. And speaking of community, today we're partnering with the YMCA of Metro Atlanta. They're providing child care services for the children of essential workers your one donation will provide one week of learning materials to the child of a frontline worker. So please give at wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090.
2: That's wabe.org slash donate or 678 553 9090 City Lights is here for you every weekday with interesting conversations allowing you to connect to the Atlanta arts and culture community you rely on us now we're relying on you to make a donation please give right now at wabe.org/donate
3: or call 678-553-9090. You can donate in any amount. If you're able to, please give at the cornerstone level. That breaks down to $100 a month. Go to wabe.org slash donate, or call 678-553-9090.
2: We know that not everyone's in a position to donate during these challenging times, but we know others can step up. If you are able to make a contribution of $1,200 or more, you will become a Cornerstone member. That allows you special access to WABE events, and your donation helps pay for the quality programming we bring you. Please give at wabe.org donate.
3: We're just about to get you back to City Lights, but please go online and donate right now at wabe.org donate. It only takes a couple of minutes to give, and while we'd love for you to become a Cornerstone member at $100 a month, the average gift from listeners is $15 a month. Please give what you can afford. Just go to wabe.org donate or call 678-553-9090. And thanks.
1: Our support today for YMCA of Metro Atlanta is made possible by Lowe's Home Improvement, with 30 stores and more than 6,000 associates in Metro Atlanta.
2: Chef Alton Brown is already a famous TV star with the likes of his Good Eats, and now Good Eats Reloaded. But since COVID-19, Chef Alton and his wife, Elizabeth Ingram, have become a YouTube sensation with their live-streamed series, Quarantine Kitchen. The episodes get hundreds of thousands of views. When I spoke with Alton and Elizabeth last month, I asked Whose idea it was for spelling kitchen like quiche with
0: a Q? That was probably me. Him,
4: because that was I, probably I, me. I had nothing initially. He was like, and we're on live. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. I Yeah, went.
0: that's that's how that started. There was no premeditation. So I think I probably made up the, the Q for kitchen uh, after the fact. It sounds like something we I call would it do. QQ. Yeah, QQ, double Q.
4: I was like, that, yeah, that, that didn't really just happen, did it? She's
0: not lying. One night we were making dinner, and it was a Tuesday night about 7 o'clock. And I was like, let's, hey, let's cook. Let's do this uh, online live. And so we just, like, started it. And by the time we were done, I don't know, like 3,000 people watching. And then I thought, I will do it again next week. And then pretty soon it became, it kind of became a thing.
4: No, I don't want to know the numbers. I don't.
0: I tell her the numbers no. sometimes.
4: <laughs> Why wouldn't you want to know there are Thousands of fans following. Exactly. That's why I don't. I just because I'm not an act. I'm a behind the scenes person. If I have any idea that there's lots of other eyeballs on the other side of the phone, I don't. Sometimes
0: I don't want to know either.
2: (laughs) Well, the way you look into the phone doesn't indicate that you have any shyness about it. And Elizabeth, I have to commend you for being confident enough to go makeupless.
4: Oh <laughs> we we had a People magazine shoot and they made me put makeup on and I felt like I was in clown face. I mean I was like <laughs> can I can't even talk. I can't I've always makeup on and he's like you have like no makeup on. <laughs> it was like they
0: touched her with a brush. Yeah, she doesn't she doesn't make up. She, that's, that's, so that doesn't really take that much courage for her because that's just her every day.
2: Well, viewers certainly appreciate how casual you are. How does being at home change the vibe for you, cooking from home versus the usual staged shows?
0: You know, i I come from a world where everything is very um, staged and written and premeditated. Um, and this is completely and we don't we don't have any idea what we're doing when we start. So it's actually kind of comforting in a way because, we have no pretense of it's like, you know, there's stuff in the sink. Okay. There's stuff in the sink. This is the way people live. And I think that we're just for some bizarre sociopathic reason, <laughs> completely fine with letting everybody see what that really is. You know, food can be such an intimidating thing and cooking can be an intimidating thing. And I think that what, what we wanted to do is to say, you know what, we're actually all pretty much the same This way, and we're all just trying to get dinner on the table, and things have been crazy, and the place is sometimes a wreck. Um, So, for the the cooking portion, you know, it's it's actually just uh, fun. Uh, Elizabeth and I don't actually get to cook together that often. I tend to commandeer the the kitchen, and so this has been a a nice break from my usual habits.
2: So it's therapeutic for the two of you, and it's very therapeutic for viewers because. It's so reassuring, that casual vibe. I love it how you walked around the loft, which you very artfully designed, Elizabeth. Locating the missing kimchi was an exciting (laughs) moment. Would, Would you talk about that for anyone who has not seen that episode?
0: The only thing we had premeditated two weeks ago was that we were going to make this uh, kimchi fried rice with kimchi that we had made at uh, my test kitchen. That we were going to be using on a Good Eats episode. We've been testing rice cookers, and so there's like a lot of rice hanging around because I, I didn't want to throw it out because it's just sinful to throw out that much food. And everybody at the office—I mean, there's hardly anybody there, so there's nobody to eat the food. And so we were going to make this kimchi fried rice, and I brought home the kimchi. And then, like, right when we started the show, I'm like, I have no freaking idea where that kimchi <laughs> is. No idea. Uh, and we spent. It was all days. real time. That was yeah, real that was all in real time. It I was, was like, like where did, did you move the. No, where did you. And then the show is over. And as soon as we were done and signed off, Elizabeth was like, I'm going to go find that kimchi. And like, we go through our cars, we go through the house. And then finally, uh, like two days ago, we, we found the kimchi. And indeed, I had put it obviously someplace that food had no business being. <laughs> and that's me. It's very me. It was <laughs> among your
4: globes. Yeah. Yes. The normal place. The normal
0: place on top of the refrigerator behind a globe.
2: Do you think that
4: Quarantine
2: Kitchen could continue after quarantine?
0: Well, the, the fans certainly seem to hope so. I, I, of all the replies we get or the, the messages that we get via YouTube, and there are a lot of them, probably one out of every five um, is someone saying, please keep doing this. And I could see us doing it mostly because it's a lot of fun for us. We've gotten to where we kind of look forward to it. And we're, we're, we're spending more time together during the week, you know, practicing music and stuff so that we can do songs on on the show every every couple of weeks. So maybe we will. I think that, you know, also culturally, we're, we're going to be in a kind of cultural quarantine for a really long time, even even after things officially open up. And I think that um, the kind of entertainment uh, that's come out of, of this situation which is that everybody's been doing their shows from home may have created some permanent changes in in what we expect from entertainment or at least what we'll accept from entertainment so yeah I think I think that we'll keep doing it as long as we enjoy doing it because uh, mm-hmm. the first time we did it there was nobody watching and probably by the last time we do it nobody will be watching, watching. <laughs> but, but we'll have fun and we'll get dinner
4: yeah you know, I'm not a I'm not an entertainer
0: we have to not do that.
4: Yeah, I you. Can't.
0: Every time I try to make a plan, okay. Well, this time let's. She's like, no, 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 no. No scripts. No planning. No production.
4: Yeah, if I um, have to hit a mark, I'm in trouble. Yeah, we're in well, Yeah. Yeah, I did that.
0: So, is, is we have to keep it. We have to keep it completely unpremeditated.
2: It's natural, and that's what people are responding to so favorably. Elizabeth, I saw the chat. On the side.
0: The the running comments, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the
2: running comments were, hey, where has Elizabeth been? You know, keep her. It's because of how perfectly natural this is with the two of you at home. I wonder how Pantry Raid compares. That's your other series.
0: Oh, well, that's that's really just a series of videos that I put together at my office uh, in my test kitchen with one one other guy uh, who runs the camera with a for mask me. On. Well, yeah, with a mask on. Um, and, and those have been just about uh, giving people some simple things to do with food. Um, and, and we literally just started doing those. And we're going to be doing some more next week because you know, the kitchen's empty right now um, and, you know, and, and we're not in production. So I, I really wanted to just be able to put something up on YouTube that that would, would make sense for people. And we started with a hand washing video. And when so many people watched that, we decided, well, what the heck, we'll cook some food too. Just simple things um, that that people could really, um, you know, do and, and, and identify with. So that's a completely different thing. I mean, that's that's relatively... Produced in as much as that we have to plan what we're doing, and you know, there's an actual cameraman instead of me holding a phone. Thank goodness.
2: What recipes, since you have been doing this, have you heard the most about?
0: Well, first off, the big discovery for me has been my wife is an exceptional cook, and the truth is, I actually didn't know that. Um, I, I mean, she cooked, uh-huh. but I but she didn't cook much because I hogged the kitchen. And it's a little kitchen and i hog the kitchen and she lets me hog the kitchen and then we're like well you you need to make a dish Well, i'm going to be working on this so you do this and like the first week she makes this this roasted carrot
4: hummus
0: hummus thing I and have it was like i'm
4: on my hands now because i'm not out and about because she's not know, out
0: working doing, yeah, as much yeah. and so she makes this stuff and i'm like did you write this down? This is phenomenal. <laughs> she never writes down anything, so nothing that she makes do we get to have again <laughs> because she never makes anything the same a very way. Very close approximation. And so everything that she's made on the show has been like really good. Oh yeah, with the
2: tahini in the roasted
0: carrots. Well, and and she well she's made two hummuses now. She made a beet one last night that was um, exceptional. What was it? You made one other thing. I'm trying to think. Of what it was.
4: the pesto. Oh, carrots, the pesto. Uh,
0: um the pesto potatoes you made cilantro she made the cilantro pesto that i thought was going to be be horrible horrible. i thought it was going to be disgusting and it was like and she put some in my mouth and it's like that's better than any pesto i've ever made in my life
2: that's saying a lot because you had me at pesto
0: well and i'm not a super big cilantro fan i mean i'm an okay cilantro fan but i thought yeah cilantro. i'm not gonna and it was fantastic so i she needs to be doing a lot more of the cooking that's all i'm going to say do
2: you realize what you've gotten yourself into with this, Elizabeth?
4: Um, no, I'm trying not to think about. it. I literally. <laughs> if I, I, yeah,
0: no. I told her. I told her, I was like you go down this road. Just know yeah. that there's. Uh, it's tough to go back, and uh, and things aren't the, things aren't the same when all this is over. And you go out in the world, and somebody asks you for your your first autograph. I have
4: been. I have been already recognized. You have. Well, no. there you go. With a mask over your little face. Oh. No, not no. Before that, actually. I mean, I'm 54 years old. Like, it's like, I'm, this is all, you know, I've already lived a life, right? I
0: mean, well, so get ready, get ready for sudden, another one. Get ready for another the second, one. Because, um, the second
4: or third or fourth or fifth act is uh, not what I would have anticipated. We're, we're,
0: we're always uh, really interested when we see uh, people comparing us as a couple to other showbiz couples. Uh, there, there have been a lot of uh, George Burns, Gracie Allen, the kind of <laughs> And there have been more than a few Honeymooners references, but we don't like that one because I've never, I wouldn't bang zoom you to the moon. So Mm -hmm. whatever it is that we, we have between us, uh, people seem to uh, see some of themselves or some of their own relationships in us. And I think that that's the best kind of showbiz couple is one that makes you feel more normal.
2: Well, I think that there's nothing normal about your extraordinary culinary ability, but you sure have been making a lot of people happy with Quarantine Kitchen and Pantry Raid.
0: In a, in a way, Quarantine Kitchen is the, the, the big kind of shock of, of my life at this current time, when I thought, well, you know, at this point in my career, you know, how many new things are going to surprise me from out of nowhere? I've kind of been around the block a time or two. And then one night you turn on, the, you turn on your camera and and all of a sudden uh life's completely different and and that's yeah. just a, a an interesting um i guess side effect of, of well, the he new normal. he looked at me he new goes new he
4: goes oh you're funny I'm like <laughs> <laughs> who did you marry like <laughs>
0: No, but when you see somebody, we we've never spent time on on camera before, no. <laughs> very little, and now, I didn't you know, have home I,
4: movies of myself as a kid. No, so well
0: me either. Play. I had them all destroyed, but you know, and now we have <laughs> movies of us every week, and I and I we watch them back, and I'm like, your timing is really really good, and your deliveries are really good. You're you're a classic straight man. I mean, it, it's it's like an Abbott Castello level kind of thing except with with no actual material <laughs> <laughs> well i want to
2: ask you who's on first but I, I was hoping to ask you about how the dogs are dealing with all this celebrity
4: Nope. Oh. well scabs scabagale is she's a diva she's like lady gaga in dog how many
0: <laughs> how many followers does she have on, Insta- on she Instagram? she's thirty five thousand, and that's my she
4: should have more that's my we follow, don't
0: try we don't try hard. yeah
4: no she has and i i mean you know you see it quote unquote it she does she, even She's as a dog, dog She's she has dog. it i don't she does
2: She's well the it. one blue eye and one brown eye is wonderful
4: that is wonderful but she just has this other sort of inner zeal that i don't know francis is my my i love him he's one oh. of, he's a classic he's a classic dog
2: yeah, my dog is twelve, and yeah. so I I relate to Francis a yeah.
4: lot.
0: Scabagale, we'll we'll go to New York, and and people will stop us to take pictures of Scabagale. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And people will follow her, and people that follow her on Instagram will 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 not stop me, but will will <laughs> want to take a picture of, of the dog, which is just hilarious. Yeah,
4: in New York City. About, yeah. You know, York. People aren't paying attention, and then anyway, so she's. She's managing. But she's not, she's
0: not, I think she may be a little jealous. She's not engaging with us on the show very well. Because when we, when we do Quarantine Kitchen, she, she goes and gets on the sofa and refuses to have anything to do with us.
2: Yeah. I noticed one moment where you offered Frances some ham and she didn't come running. You had a fine Scabigail. I
0: don't know. She's, she's, I think she may just be jealous. Um, she thinks she should have her own show and doesn't understand why we're getting the, the limelight.
2: Well, it may not be a bad idea. Can we look forward to it?
0: <laughs> you know, if I, if I if I could get her to talk, uh, you know, maybe she just be like do her eating bone. stuff. Yeah, do a wishbone. Yeah, wishbone. <laughs> <We'll> do that. <laughs> right. showbiz, we'll become a showbiz family.
4: Oh, it could be like mukbang, mukbang with her eating. Oh, mukbang
0: with her eating. Just videos of her eating. Because she
4: makes some very interesting sounds when she um.
0: Yeah, she's perfect. She could be ASMR. The
4: sound. The sound. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. She be oh. Or snoring. Snoring. Yeah. Just free. I love it.
0: So clearly, clearly, um, uh, quarantine uh, entertainment has gone way downhill. <laughs> we're talking about making videos of snoring dogs. So things, we're, we're, we're in a bad place.
2: If it is comforting people and bringing them laughter, here's to it. Elizabeth Ingram, Alton Brown, this has been such a delight. Thank you so very much. Well,
0: thank you. Thanks for having us
2: on. Chef Alton Brown and Elizabeth Ingram. There's more about their YouTube series, Quarantine Kitchen, on our website, wabe.org slash City Lights. This is City Lights. I'm Lois Reitzes. We're fundraising today because we need your help. We only do this a few times a year and we do it because there's no better way to help pay for our programming for shows like City Lights. So please go to wabe.org slash donate. Joining me now is WABE's operations manager, Kevin Rinker.
3: wabe.org slash donate is the website to go to or you can call 678-553-9090. Today, WABE is partnering with the YMCA of Metro Atlanta. They're providing child care services for the children of essential workers. And for every donation we get today, we'll help provide one week of learning materials to the child of a frontline worker. So please give at wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090.
2: Again online, that's wabe.org slash donate. Thanks to all of you who already donated to WABE, including Peg Geronimo in Decatur. She writes, thank you for your dedication to keeping us informed and in understanding that some people cannot give now. You are a comfort to many. We are glad to be that comfort to you, and thank you for your support, Peg. We realize not everyone can give right now. That's okay. But if you are in a position to donate, please do so. Go online right now to wabe.org slash donate.
3: That's org slash donate, or you can call 678-553-9090. We need your donation because 84% of our funding comes from the Atlanta community. Many of our listeners give $15 a month. Please donate what you feel you can at wabe.org slash donate or with a call to 678-553-9090.
2: We'll return to City Lights in about 30 seconds. Thanks very much to everyone who helped out today. Now we look forward to hearing from you. Please call 678-553-9090.
3: Or go to wabe.org slash donate. It only takes a couple of minutes to give. We're looking for new members right now. If you've listened for a while and haven't contributed, that's okay. Jump on board. We need your help during these challenging times. Join the tens of thousands of loyal listeners who are WABE members by calling 678-553-9090 or
1: go to wabe.org slash donate. Our support today for YMCA of Metro Atlanta is made possible by Lowe's Home Improvement, with 30 stores and more than 6,000 associates in Metro Atlanta.
2: Independent bookstores have had to react to many changes in the bookselling market in recent years, from the rise of big-box stores to the advent of e-readers. The latest challenge is selling books during shelter-in-place. I spoke with Frank Reese, the owner of Acapella Books in Inman Park, about the changes they've made in order to continue serving customers.
5: A lot of what acapella has done and been for the last decade or so has we've been putting on author appearances around town at the Carter Center and the Jewish Community Center. And when the first orders started coming through about crowds bigger than 500 or 200 or 100, my first thought was our events are going to go away. And that is such a big part of our business that I thought even without imagining closing the store, that would do enough damage to the business that it was, it'd be catastrophic. And my wife said, why don't you offer free deliveries in, 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 in Atlanta? And I said, that sounds like a pretty good idea. So we just did. Yeah, so we turned into a book delivery service uh, overnight and it's completely changed the way we're operating right now.
2: Well, are you partnering with a delivery service or are a cappella employees delivering books?
5: When my wife first suggested it to me, you know, I thought, yeah, you know, people in, you know, Little Five Points in Inman Park and Morningside, Virginia Highlands, maybe Old Fourth Ward or wanting Books, we can run them over to them. And The volume and the range of requests in neighborhoods was such that we had to immediately, uh, you know, all hands on deck. But, of course, there's not that many hands on deck left because most of our full-timers and part-timers have had to stay home. The silver lining uh, for us is that both of my adult daughters uh, who had other activities going on have uh, joined the team and they're out doing deliveries and packing books for us. And so it's uh, it's become much more of a family affair in the last month or so.
2: What's the process for someone who wants to buy a book from Acapella?
5: Well, we have a website, acapellabooks.com. Anything we have, it's very easy to find on our website and place the order. And if you live within in an in-town neighborhood, uh, it'll automatically give you free delivery as an option. And if you're outside of our delivery range right now, we're just offering free shipping as well.
2: What have you heard from customers since these changes have been in place for Acapella?
5: Well, that has really been the loveliest part of this whole thing. You know, when we had to shut the store and quit having events where we actually interact with people all the time, I thought it would become a very uh, lonely operation. And in some ways it is that, you know, we don't see our customers like we normally do. But the engagement we've had, both when they're calling up ordering books, when they're emailing ordering books, and especially uh, on social media, when we're delivering their books the reaction we're getting is just so heartwarming. One of my daughters is a bit of a poet and she likes to write things on the bags and all the bags that we're delivering to people we're writing at least a thanks for the order, uh, you know, just a personal note and people are in their homes alone or or just going stir crazy and just the human contact of having a bag full of books dropped on your front porch with a handwritten note is just creating a great warm feeling between our customers and us and It's it's really been very, very gratifying.
2: Oh, that's so lovely to hear. Reading is an ideal activity while sheltering in place. For some of us, it is a favorite form of exercise. Have you noticed any patterns or changes in what your customers are buying compared with what was selling well before the pandemic?
5: Well, there, there have been a number of things we've observed. We're serving our customers in, in a broader way, I think, than we in normal times do. So our sales are tracking more closely with the most popular books than they sometimes do. So Eric Larson's book, The Splendid and the Vile, which I think is the number one bestseller nonfiction right now, that's one of our number one bestsellers as well. Emily St. John Mandel's new book, Glass Hotel, which is a huge bestseller, and that is also one of ours. We've seen a, an upsurge in um, Where the Crawdads Sing, which, of course, has been a bestseller for quite a while. And it seems, I think, everybody who didn't get around to reading it when it first came out is now realizing this is a good time to read that one that everybody else is. So we're selling a lot of that. Specific to the, the pandemic, there have been some trends we've noticed. You know, Allison Roman's cookbooks, Dining In and Nothing Fancy, those have been very popular. There's an interesting one that's kind of just come out that's become a a very popular book, the Women's Heritage Sourcebook, which is bringing homesteading to everyday life, which I think is a reflection of of the lives that people are leading, realizing maybe they need to start growing their own food and being more self-reliant. So that's been a surprise bestseller for us. One local author, you know, Tom Mullen, I know you know Tom, his debut novel from some years ago was set in the in the 1918 flu epidemic in a fictional town in the Pacific Northwest, and it's called The Last Town on Earth. Tom's books have always sold steadily for us here in Atlanta, but that one, you know, was he wrote it before he lived in Atlanta, and, and it's many years old, but it has seen a resurgence of, of interest because of its subject matter. Some classics, you know, uh, Catherine M. Porter's uh, Pale Horse, Pale Rider, which was a Uh, flu epidemic setting as well, has, has had renewed interest, as has Camus' The Plague and Defoe's Journal of the Plague Year.
2: Knowing that what the future holds can be anyone's guess, but what does the near future look like for acapella books?
5: I honestly don't entirely know the answer. With the reduced staff, I think we can survive this if it doesn't go on too terribly long. It, it's certainly not a practical thing to imagine as we're doing it right now to go on indefinitely. It's just too labor intensive. I would say for the next month or so, and with my, with my daughters uh, you know, heroically helping and, and, and one full-time employee keeping the books coming in, I think we'll be able to get through the spring and summer and hope for better times in the fall.
2: Frank Reese, the owner of Acapella Books. This is City Lights. I'm Lois Reitzes. We're in our spring member drive, but please stay right here because we'll be quick. No other way to say it. WABE needs your help, and that's because 84% 84% of our funding comes from the Atlantic community. So please give right now at wabe.org slash donate. Kevin Rinker is WABE's operations manager. He joins me now.
3: Thanks, Lois. Call 678-553-9090 or go to wabe.org slash donate. Your financial support helps WABE continue its in-depth, fact-based news coverage, and you get shows like City Lights to take a break from the news while still getting context about how arts and culture in Atlanta is being impacted by the pandemic. But there's another reason to give today. We're partnering with the YMCA of Metro Atlanta. They're providing child care services for the children of essential workers. Your one donation will provide one week of learning materials to a child of a frontline worker. So please give at wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090.
2: wabe.org slash donate or 678-553-9090 by phone. You rely on us week in and week out to enrich your mind and feed your curiosity. It's why you are part of the WABE community, but are you a member? Have you done your part to help pay for the programming we provide? Right now, we need your help. So if you can, please donate at wabe.org slash donate.
3: Or call 678-553-9090. We can't do any of this without your support. Many of our listeners donate about $15 a month. Please give what you can at wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678-553-9090.
2: Thanks to all of you who have helped us so far. We need you, too. Please give at 678-553-9090.
3: Or at wabe.org slash donate. If you donate online, you'll get to see all of the thank you gifts we offer to members. And if you're already a sustaining member of WABE, please consider giving an additional gift. We can't do this without you. Support us at wabe.org donate or call 678-553-9090. Thanks.
1: Our support today for YMCA of Metro Atlanta is made possible by Lowe's Home Improvement, with 30 stores and more than 6,000 associates in Metro Atlanta.
2: Comedian Dan Soder's latest stand-up special on HBO is titled Son of a Gary. Much of his previous material was based on a man in his 30s whose thoughts and behaviors indicate he'd rather be in his 20s. Dan Soder is also an actor whom you may know from his role of Mafi on the TV series Billions, which just released its fifth season on Showtime. Soder has a great ear and talent for vocal impersonation. When we spoke last year, I asked how he learned to imitate various dialects.
6: Oh, uh, being a only child is uh, a great uh, lesson in how to entertain yourself and how to get rid of boredom
2: okay so yeah. you just had this ear and yeah I'm, I mean I heard your president Obama <laughs> yeah
6: yeah that is something I don't really that's just something I kind of do for fun uh to my friends because we do um my friend Shane Gillis who's a very funny comedian and opens for me a lot of times not this weekend but most times. We were doing a a whole We had a car ride where we talked about Donald Trump's motivation is just to get Barack Obama to not be cool, (laughs) and so we did Barack kind of losing it, being like, I I can't even I don't even want to talk to this guy. I mean, Michelle, I got to get out of here. I got to go I need a cigarette. It's just, like, stuff like that, and Trump would be like, oh, oh, I did it, Uh, you know. Wait, Dan, will you give the State of the Union? Yeah, no, I don't think we deserve one. As a country, (laughs) we don't deserve a State of the Union. Let's just skip it.
2: Well, you first started doing stand-up comedy, and you were a student at the University of Arizona.
6: Correct. I was was 21 years old at the University of Arizona.
2: How would you describe those early days doing stand-up in Tucson?
6: Um terrifying, the most fun I've ever had and kind of uh, an an epiphany that – not really an epiphany, but a realization that a world exists out there for you that you – that you're built for. You know, it was um, always – I always would get in trouble at work for being trying to be funny and making my coworkers laugh or or break the situation or Where were you working? Uh, everywhere. I uh, mostly in the restaurant industry. I was a busboy, I was a waiter, I was uh, I've worked at bed bath and beyond, I've worked concert security, uh cannery in Alaska.
2: And you would get in trouble?
6: Yeah, uh, and I I would just kind of, you know, if if there was a a group meeting or some sort of formal meeting, I always found that it, I had the most fun being a little bit of a smart aleck, you know? Uh, uh, and I would always get in trouble. and But making people laugh was always my favorite thing, my coworkers. And then finally, when I was working at the cannery in Alaska in between my freshman and sophomore year at the University of Arizona, I kind of realized, oh man, like I can, I can make these hardened fishermen in these like really... These guys that have seen a lot laugh, maybe I maybe I can do stand up. So mm. I, when I came back to Tucson, I started doing open mics and just kind of threw myself into it.
2: Some of your big breaks professionally came with cameos on the television show Inside Amy Schumer.
6: Yes, she um, was, <laughs> I, I can never thank her enough for just kind of being like, you know, I really had no formal acting training. And she was, we were at the comedy cellar one night and she was like, You think you can act? And I was like, Yeah. And then I got a call from my agent that's like, hey, Amy's going to put you as one of the main people in a sketch for... It was season two of Inside Amy. And um, well, actually, she was going to put me in season one, but I didn't pay my (laughs) SAG-AFTRA. And so she called me and she was like, you idiot. I can't... You're not allowed on the set. I can't... You're breaking union rules. So I I cleared that up. In season two, she she put me in a, a great sketch and put me in a couple sketches throughout the years that I really appreciate because... It was one of, you know, the first chances I got to act Mm. in in a real way.
2: Well, I'm amazed because, I mean, in addition to the talent, you know, there's a skill set. I mean, memorizing lines and looking at scripts and you just were able to pick it all
6: up. There's a a striking similarity with learning a script as there is to memorizing bits where, you know, when you have jokes – jokes aren't just, you know, uh, set up, pun- you know, premise, set up, punchline. A lot of the times if it's a bit, it's a longer, it can be a five minute. I have a story on um, Comedy Central's This Is Not Happening about when I lived in Tucson. Ended up being a 17 minute story. So to remember all those, it's kind of similar to remembering, a you know, like maybe a monologue.
2: Well, we've really seen, a re- I don't know if you'd call it a revolution, but a new era in comedy with much more emphasis on storytelling thinking Mike Birbiglia, Birbiglia's
6: Nanette. I mean Nanette yeah but I, I went and saw a new one Mike Birbiglia's Broadway show and it was it was unbelievable and to see him um, tell a story like that is is great because it is one story but it, it's 90 minutes and it goes it, it's so good and heartfelt and uh, Colin Quinn is, I I think, you know, one of my idols. He's definitely one of my idols as far as comedy goes. But then to see him do a one-man show, uh, you know, he released New York Story on Netflix and Long Story Short. And he's got a lot of these great ones. And you see it, it's historical. And it has all this real history in it and all this this stuff that you, you're learning, but you're listening to Colin in his Brooklyn way, you know, kind of explain this stuff. And I'm always amazed by that. So, yeah, it is there there's, there's a, an ability to uh take your time now i think yes. more it's not the cat skills days where you need to just rapid fire yeah. which but there still are those those comedians and i think you can appreciate both styles
2: talking about your acting You are a member of
6: the cast of Billions. I am. I'm very lucky to be a member of that cast.
2: Uh, You're wonderful on that Showtime series. For those who may not have seen it, it's this very intense drama about New York politics and high finance. With some wicked humor interwoven.
6: Man, Brian Koppelman and David Levine, the creators of the show, are uh, some of the smartest, most in-depth people I've ever met. But also two of the funniest guys where it's so much fun in between takes just to go over and just, you know, pal around with them and talk about anything.
2: We have a clip.
6: Yeah. Of um, with your character,
2: Maffee. Yeah, Dudley leading... Maffee. Dudley Maffee. Let's, let's listen to
6: it. Hey, Axe, you know what today is? It's Todd Krakow in the ear day. Why do you think I'd want to do that? That panel was Godzilla versus
5: Mothra. Do you have a plan? Or are we just going to jump him and break his kneecaps when he gets out of his McLaren?
6: Okay, so Krakow's been running his mouth about China, right? I... You can tell the way he talks. The way he talks? Yeah. Last year, he said watching factories grow. It made me wonder, how's he seeing this?
5: Really, Muffy? You expect me to believe you suddenly swapped Ali G reruns for videos of Todd Krakow's speeches on China?
6: Okay. My analyst caught it. <laughs> yeah.
2: How did you land the part of Dudley
6: Maffee? Uh, Luck. Um, but also, they... Brian and David, I've known for years and they had me come in and audition for the pilot. And, ah, so
2: They had you in mind.
6: Yeah. And I came in for the pilot and there wasn't, um, I came back in several times and there was one actor that they didn't secure for a role and they were like, we think we're going to give you this role, but it was a little out of my depth. And we kind of both knew that it was um, one of the main roles, not, you know, I wasn't Axe or Chuck, but it was, it was a role that was, was more, more prominent and, then they got the actor they wanted. And so they called me and they said, listen, we w- we would like to have you in the pilot. We can have you as a one-off. Or if we go to series, we'd like to write you a role. You know, and I, you look at the cast and you're like, it's Paul Giamatti, Damian Lewis, Maggie Siff, Mal- Malin Ackerman, David Costable. I was like, you guys are going to series. I'll put my money on that. And it did. And then they came up with the character of Maffee, which originally was, I think, it's supposed to be kind of like a limited part, just a guy in at the Axe Capital, you know, just at Axe's shop, and um, and then they grew it. And I've been I've been very lucky where they've taken the character, and then you know the addition of Taylor to the cast was a thing where uh, that scene that you just played was the introduction to Taylor to Axe, and that has been a great storyline throughout the series which really heated up at the end of season three.
2: Now, the show has a big cast uh, consisting of the prosecutor side with Paul Giamatti and the hedge fund side where your character works for Bobby Axelrod. It seems that in the beginning, indeed, your character was a smaller role for comic relief. And then clearly because... A whole lot of people are impressed with your work.
6: Oh, I hope. I mean, that's very nice. They expanded it. it. Yeah.
2: So, you work for Bobby Axelrod, played by this great British actor, Damian
6: Lewis, one of the best.
2: And talk about dialect.
6: Yeah. How do
2: how do the Brits do it? And and he and then when we try it,
6: looks so sloppy. (laughs) (laughs) It looks so bad. Yeah, Yeah. it looks it looks so bad when we try it. But. the one thing I, I, that I can say about the Billions cast is, top to bottom, it's filled with some of the most talented people I've ever been around. From Condola Rashad, to Kelly O'Coin, to uh, Asia Kate Dillon, to, to Daniel Isaac, there's all these people that, that are just these small little parts of Billions, but then you pan back and you realize how, it makes the whole universe work with Billions, but there's so much talent that it's just an like I said, as I'm a comedian first, and uh, and probably always will be, and just to be around those people and to learn how to act is it's it's unbelievable. It's it's such a great opportunity.
2: Are there some um, especially funny stories you can share with us? Uh, yeah,
6: I. Um, <laughs> oh, <So> public radio <laughs> yeah, friendly. Yes, yeah, uh, season one. Um, there was a scene that they cut from the finale, from the finale, the season one finale. Where there was, it was supposed to be bonus time at Axe Capital, and uh, they did. They they kind of brought it back in an incarnation in season three, where Axe is bonusing everyone, and it's a quick kind of cut scene. But in season one, they had a specific scene where the character of Maffee goes into Axe's office and tries to play hardball with Axe and Wags, and he tries. He brings a folder and 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 tries to has all these numbers to back up why he should get a bigger bonus, and I kept blowing the line. It was a very number-heavy line, and (laughs) I blew it once, which that happens, and everyone's there as a professional, and you just restart. Just do the line again. I screwed up a second time and felt it a a little worse, and then (laughs) the third and fourth time I felt bad, but the fourth time I screwed it up, Damien, who is one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life, made a noise where he was like, oh, and it drove me to study my lines harder than any. I Now I never come in, over. I, there's never not a time where I'm not over-prepared on Billions because, uh-huh. because of that moment where you let down a room, not only the crew, but David Costable and Damian Lewis who are two phenomenal actors and you blow it and you're like, this is the most embarrassed. I've bombed and flop sweated less than the, how I felt in that room And then they cut the scene. I got it eventually, but then they cut it and you're like, ah, that was a real real time to learn right there. Okay, a learning curve. Yeah, that's a real big learning curve is screwing up in front of uh, two great actors. In the show,
2: a common thread is that nearly every character is amoral. Um, but Mafi is one of the few characters who has a moral compass. Are you proud of that aspect of his character?
6: I was until that compass got manipulated uh, in season three. I don't want to give it away for anyone that hasn't seen it, but okay. there is a uh, there was a giveaway in season three where Muffy was manipulated to go against his moral compass it's 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 fun. It's fun to be that character, just kind of be like, oh, I'm the guy with a soul, I guess for a time being, and then it's gone. Because <laughs> eventually everyone loses it. And I think that was kind of a lesson in Billions that they were teaching is no one's unaffected by greed. Even when it's disguised as loyalty, it's still greed in a certain way.
2: So would you say that M- M- fee had an impact on your stand-up?
6: I think it's taught me how to be more comfortable on stage and just in the silence and kind of take my time. I think that was one of my problems with stand-up before I started doing Billions was I wanted to be rapid fire and the second there wasn't laughs I would feel insecure and you know that uh, when you're on stage and it's silent it's a hard thing to sit in but you start acting and I heard the great Bill Burr say that in an interview he was talking about acting and how it's helped him with his stand up and I really agree with it that it kind of teaches you to be more in the moment mm-hmm. and it kind of teaches you more how to let go and just kind of um you know be more theatrical but not in a way that's derivative of, of desperately seeking a laugh. You can kind of set up things better, which i found has helped.
2: Comedian Dan Soder's latest stand-up special, Son of a Gary, is available on HBO. Season 5 of Billions is out now with a new episode Sunday, May 17th. This is City Lights. I'm Lois Reutzes. We are fundraising today, and we need your help. Please give what you can at wabe.org donate. Joining me now is WABE's operations manager and my friend Kevin Rinker.
3: Your donation right now helps pay for all the critical news and information you get on WABE. Please call 678 553 9090 or go to wabe.org slash donate. Today we're partnering with the YMCA of Metro Atlanta, which is providing child care services for the children of essential workers. Every donation we get today will provide one week of learning materials to the child of a frontline worker. So please give at wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090.
2: That's wabe.org slash donate or 678-553-9090. Thanks to all of you who have already donated, people like Charlotte Logan in Lawrenceville. She says, thank you for honest, clear, concise reporting and in-depth one-on-one interviews. Thanks so much, Charlotte. Now, because you also rely on WABE, we need to hear from you. Please give right now at wabe.org donate
3: or by calling 678-553-9090. It's important that we hear from you right now because 84% of our funding comes from the Atlanta community. And think about it this way. The listeners who have given in the past have made today's episode of City Lights possible. We need you. Many of our listeners are sustaining members and they donate about $15 a month. Please give what you feel you can afford at wabe.org slash donate, or with a call to 678-553-9090.
2: Thanks to everyone who has donated so far. Now, if you haven't had a chance yet, call now, 678-553-9090. It only takes a few minutes.
3: You can also give at wabe.org donate. If you've never been a WABE member or your membership has lapsed, I'm talking to you. Please do your part to help Atlanta continue to have access to accurate contextual news and information. You know what amount is right for you, but $15 a month is the average gift. Just go to wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090.
1: Thanks. Our support today for YMCA of Metro Atlanta is made possible by Lowe's Home Improvement with 30 stores and more than 6,000 associates in Metro Atlanta.
2: You've been listening to City Lights, our daily exploration of Atlanta arts and cultural life. We'll be back Monday at 11 a.m. with Smooth Sounds. Scott Stewart and I will explore some soothing music for you for these difficult times. Our theme music is The First Time written and performed by joe granston with his jazz band special thanks to hot shoe records our producers are summer evans and ryan mcfadden kevin rinker is our engineer and i'm lois writes as i would so love it if you would follow me on twitter L-O-I-S-R-E-I-T-Z-E-S. And do listen to our new podcast wherever you subscribe. Here's wishing you a safe and good weekend. And thanks for listening to WABE, at Atlanta's Choice for NPR.